Career Podcast Series featuring conversations with professional creatives from the arts, entertainment, and media industries. Here we explore various approaches to craft and career, and even consider how these two can sometimes work together. I'm Derek Webster, Senior Associate Director for Creative Careers at Yale's Office of Career Strategy, and I'm excited to introduce our next guest, award-winning journalist, NFL analyst, podcast host, ESPN contributor, and all-around multimedia dervish, Mina Kimes. Mina, we're so excited to have you on the podcast. So so as we open this kind of a dialogue, it's normally looking in the direction of this bifurcation, right? This idea that careers can go in a couple of different directions, but whenever there's a, a creative, a, a generative, a, 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 an element where you're, you're making things and caring about things, sometimes there's a split. And in, in that split, we'll, we will sometimes think about it as being a person's career versus their craft. So I wondered maybe just to get those terms kind of at least in, in, on your side, like what, what what does that really mean? Like, what do you think of as your career? Oh, man, my career has changed a lot. Uh, it's it, it, it's changed. I've gone through multiple shifts going from being a business journalist to being a sports writer, then going from being a sports writer to being an analyst, which was actually the more dramatic shift. Uh we can talk about that, but right. yeah. So it, it's, I, there's the, there are definitely through lines and I'd say the through lines are more apparent in craft uh, <laughs> when we talk about sort of the actual doing of the job. But um, so throughout it all, I, I think I've been a communicator. I, I, I don't think of myself as a journalist now, but I've been someone who works in media, I would say. Probably yeah. when I think about just describing the career as a whole, it is, it is that uh, working in media being someone who communicates to a mass audience, but what I'm communicating and the way I'm doing it has has changed quite a bit. Sure, yeah, um, as as will happen <laughs> over time. And so the second part, the craft part, and this one can be you know quite personalized, quite nuanced, just in terms of sometimes it's about the skill involved, sometimes it's about the the creative disciplines that you're you're carrying over and and, and drawing from. Um, when you think about the, kind of the craftiness of what you do, what what is that through line? Like how how would you define that? So I would say the commonality between going back to just the sort of early part of my career, being someone who wrote about investing and finance to then, you know, doing more investigative stuff through now where I'm on TV talking about football every day is doing a lot of researching, thinking, private thinking, sort of absorbing information in a as fast as possible, and then figuring out how to synthesize it and convey it ideally in an entertaining fashion. So when you when you when you boil it down to the parts, I'm still doing the same thing I was doing in my early 20s, just very, very different on its face. And what is the inspiration of that part for you? And this is a difficult question, I know, but, but like, where is it? Where's that drawing from? Like, wh- where's the well that you're kind of, you know, pumping, pumping the, the, the energy from for the things that get you going and get you get you communicating and entertaining people and doing all those sorts of things? You know, this actually goes back to college for me. Yale. I always loved that feeling when you were like writing a paper and you, you know, you do all this reading and thinking. And then I was always like a very avid outliner, which is funny because I think that's another through line in craft for me. I, as as a, a features writer, I was a, I spent more time writing my outlines than the actual stories. And now when I before I go on TV, I don't write what I'm gonna say, but I kind of outline my thoughts. And I always love that moment where it clicks, where you're like, okay, I have all this information. And then suddenly it's kind of like, you know, 
almost like a telestration in your head or like you're, you're seeing suddenly the pieces all falling together and you realize, oh, this is how I put it all together in a way where people are going to understand. And um, it's that moment for me that's the most inspiring and that really gets me going is when I figure when that moment when I realize, oh, OK, this is all this information, all this research, all this tape study now, all this statistical work, all of it comes <laughs> yeah. together. And I realize this is what is going to make it click in other people's minds. Are there any sources that you draw from that would not be sort of superficially don't seem related to what you do on a daily basis? Are the things that inspire you that you're reading, watching, drawing from even even quietly? Yeah, you know, I love great communicators, I guess. So and I read a lot. I read a lot about non football or not sports related yeah. journalism in particular. And so when I read like still when I read really great magazine journalism, like a great New Yorker piece, and I notice like a turn of phrase or a, a, the structuring of an argument and an essay, sometimes I'll sort of internalize that. I actually was just this is a unusual one. I was just talking to someone at ESPN about uh, making YouTube videos and digital videos and and explaining things. And I mentioned I was just watching, you know, those uh, Katie Porter videos that go viral where she uses a whiteboard to make a point in, sure, in Congress. Yeah. I was like, you know what? There, there's something there, I think, for explaining <laughs> sports concepts. I use a lot of statistics as well. So that's an example yeah. to me of a great communicator, even though obviously it has nothing to do with sports. Sure. Yeah. No, I like that. That's that is a great example. Um, wondering to across all the different kind of practices, and we in this podcast, and also just Yale working with undergrads in our office, so many different disciplines, so many different interests. That, and as you probably remember, Yale kind of wants you to go out there and explore and try on different things, and even if you're really good in one section, like you try something else. Wondering how you both think about and maintain uh, one commonality would be a community of practice, right? The other people that are doing similar things that you're able to talk shop with, that you're able to compare notes, that you're able to look at each other's stuff and give feedback and that sort of thing. One, how important is that in your current role and and and, and how you've manifested? And then two, how, how did you how did you build it if, and 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 make sure that that's there for you? Yeah, I mean, it's it's crucial. It was crucial when I was. Uh business journalist, sports writer, it's especially crucial now, I would say, as an analyst, which is interesting because those relationships with your industry peers, and for me, that's a wide variety of people ranging from sports analytics people to sports writers, to bloggers and podcasts, to the people who I'm mostly on television with, which are former athletes. I'm only on TV max two hours a day, usually one hour a day, right? So that's only the tip of the iceberg of the work I do. Most of that work is yeah. watching, reading, doing sad stuff. But a lot of it is also just conversations that I'm having all day, sometimes on phone, sometimes on text, sometimes in group chats with the people that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. Conversations that are important, not just from bouncing around ideas and 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 I change my mind all the time and we're sharing thoughts and, and whatnot, but also, I think cultivating the relationships that are kind of the foundation of what you see on TV. I always tell people that our, the show that I'm on ESPN is called NFL Live. I think it works entirely because it's based on just hours and hours of talking outside of the show. So you only see like a little bit. And right. those, those kind of not only build the substance of the conversations, but also the deep relationships that manifest themselves on air. 
Yeah, that's great. Um, and good, good also to kind of identify some of that shared energy of collaborative nature of what you're doing as it compares, you know, across again, many of like the creative fields that we're, we're looking at more commonly. Um, back to the career side of things, you already kind of mentioned the idea that you started, you know, business reporting and then, and so there's steps along the way and, and kind of pivots or, or not even pivots. I, I mean, you can b- better explain exactly what they were that sort of broached into these de- directions. Could you tell us a little bit more about about what what maybe started you and any early, any kernels that existed even prior that you know had had one guest where you would land where you are now um, any any signposts along the way? It's like I said, I've had two major real pivots I think in my career. One going from business to sports, the other going from being an analyst to being or probably being a reporter, being an analyst. I, going from business to sports, there was nothing I did as a business journalist that signified I might make that move, frankly. Um, it, you know, the, the actual <laughs> nature of the job is pretty similar in terms of going, you know, I was a futures writer as a business journalist, supposed to be more of an investigative reporter. But when I moved to ESPN as a writer, it was writing features. So the actual substance of doing the job, pretty similar, just the, na- the subject matter was different and required different things. And, you know, but there was nothing in my business journalism that suggested I could do that. It, I would say the reason ESPN approached me and, Ultimately, the reason I made that transition was outside of work, actually. It was like a hobby that became Mm. kind of all-consuming. And also, because of social media, I was able to share that hobby or like um, write about it, ultimately post about it, engage with other people about it. So that's kind of where that kernel existed publicly. Going from being, however, a sports writer to being an analyst, to answer your question, that I think um, there were absolutely for a couple of things. One is that when I was a sports writer, I'd go on television to talk about my stories, comment at ESPN, and um, yeah. I just enjoyed it. I enjoyed the craft of it. The It's a different kind of work, the performance, which I'd never been a performer before, the, the gamesmanship, sort of the way it makes you use different parts of your brain. And then also in my writing, I started being a little bit more analytical about the game itself. And and that's what I do now, right, as, as an analyst, is I give my opinions about the sport, which is not something I did at the beginning of my writing career, but something I did a little bit more and more. Yeah. Wondering, too, because some of our audience are going to be, you know, young interests in breaking into where you are now. And and you followed a path where strict journalism, uh, investigative reporting, that's not necessarily where, you know, some of these people will be starting. So I'm wondering if you had any advice kind of, you know, retrofitting the idea of like how to get to not exactly where you are, but in the area that you're, you're, you're in, what should, you know, young creatives, young interested, young media interested and particularly sports media interested um, students be thinking about? My position is a little bit unique insofar as, well, it's very unique. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Almost all analysts on television are former players. Um, there's a couple um, yeah. ju- former journalists, especially notably at ESPN, Stephen A. Smith, who's the host of First Take and does a zillion things and is, is extremely famous, was a writer at one point. Yeah. Um, Zach Lowe, who's a friend of mine who does basketball, is a writer, uh, but he does what I do where he's on TV also giving his opinions alongside former players. But there are, I think, increasingly roles uh, in the opinion space for people who weren't players at the highest level. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. and, and some of that's digital video, podcasting. Um, there are other roles on TV. The show that I started on, Around the Horn, 
is one where former reporters give their opinions on air. That's a, a kind of a stepping stone for a lot of reporters doing TV. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of pathways, I think, towards going from being a reporter, which I think people understand that path to being more of a personality. Yeah. I think, you know, the the most valuable thing you can do, and I, I say this when I kind of see the young writers and reporters who are kind of interested in in taking that step or just being more of a media, being more multi-platform or what whatnot, is developing expertise, showing that expertise, finding ways to express that on social media, making their own videos, podcasts, whatever, using social media to show their personalities, getting practice practice in reps in talking about sports. Um, a step in my career yeah. that I sort of don't talk about that much or whatever. It wasn't that visible was when I went from being a writer to being an analyst, there was an in-between stage where I did a lot of sports radio. My first gig as an opinionator at ESPN was uh, working on a fantasy football show on Sunday mornings in Connecticut at 6 a.m., which was really, really uh, not the the most fun at times, but necessary (laughs) practice. So I think it's finding places to practice, giving your opinion confidently fun. So you can learn to be yourself on air, which is a lot harder than just saying be yourself. Yeah, of course. Now you bring something up. I was going to ask or mention interesting, just the landscape of in the last, you know, let's say 15, 20 years, how fantasy sports have become so prominent. What are your thoughts on incorporating that if someone is not big into fantasy sports, how the import of becoming bigger into fantasy sports in order to actually be on the pulse of what's happening in, in, in the sports world? Yeah. It's a huge reason why football in particular is so unbelievably popular at a national level. And it's super, it's, it's, uh, it's one of the many, when I, when I spoke about, you know, people who want to become opinionators or give their opinions, it is definitely a stepping stone or not just a stepping stone, but a possible destination if you really love it, because it is one of the places where, you know, you definitely don't have to be a former player. It's based on kind of research and then personality yeah. and that sorts of thing. So it's really valuable if you're interested in, especially in football in particular, I would say talking about it less so other sports on a broader level. But yeah, it's 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 pretty hard to avoid it or ignore it. This <laughs> right, <yeah>. it's so <laughs> big. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So now, as you've landed in your in the current roles and kind of even the the, the stage you've been on for a while now, what does a, an average day look like for you? Very different depending on whether it's in the football season uh, or not. But so I'll in the season, and then of course whether it's a Sunday, Monday, or Thursday versus. Another day. I mean, I typically yeah. work, you know, six days a week during the season. I mean, I work every day, but uh, <laughs> I'm really working six days a week. Yeah. Uh, during on Sundays, on game days, but particularly on Sundays, the shows I'm on Monday, um, NFL Live, Sports Center, but really NFL Live, I'm on three days a week. We are in constant dialogue about meaning like chats, slacks, whatnot, about the games that we're watching just to make sure everybody's kind of locked into the games we're going to focus on the next day on television. And then we have chats with kind of ongoing dialogues about the things we find interesting. For me, uh, as I'm watching those games, usually I have multiple screens up with different games, but it's kind of focused, again, based on what I know we're going to be dialed into, but that can, of course, change if you have a crazy ending. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm taking notes, uh, usually writing down plays, observations, 
I'll have various databases open. So I'm collecting statistics with games. It takes a while to get all the statistics, obviously, Afghanistan, but um, uh, also to get the coaches tape that we don't get until next. So you you have to wait to watch uh, the all 22 of the game so you can actually see everything that's going on. But generally speaking, I'm just taking notes. I have documents open that I use not only for NFL Live, but also for my podcast. So throughout the week, that's an ongoing thing where if and then I have time on Monday morning, I'll go back. OK, I'll watch this game, taking notes, da, da, da. So mm-hmm. it's a lot of watching film, taking notes, gathering statistics. Then there's the actual making of the shows. NFL Live, for example, every morning I'm on three days a week during the season. We have a call. You have a call with a producer uh, about 8 a.m. Pacific, my time. Then we have a show-wide call where we all kind of generally discuss the stuff we want to talk about on the show, facilitated by producer. Usually I do that while I'm getting my hair and makeup done for the show. Um, And then I have like a little bit of time to think about what I want to say. (laughs) Sometimes, you know, just kind of sit with my thoughts, do what I was describing earlier, which is kind of synthesize everything and I'm not writing down what I'm going to say, but I'll kind of have the broad, you know, I'm, I'll write down the statistics I want to use, things like that. Other shows like Around the Horn, there's a pre-show call. There's a document that goes around with research that because you cover it covers a gamut, you know, a wide variety of sports. So all these shows have researchers, but that show in particular, that's there's a packet that goes around that I use first take. I'm on Thursdays very early in the morning Pacific. The producers send out questions the night before saying, what do you think about these things? Basically, so they can figure out what what makes for interesting debates the next day. That show is less involved. There's not like a research packet or anything like that. So every show has a different process, different schedule, different number of meetings required. Some don't require any meetings at all. And so for me, it's kind of just like managing all the different schedules for myself. Sounds like a busy six days plus. I also do my own podcast twice a week, which is... You know, I work with my own producer and we book guests and yeah. So. Yeah. That one, even even extra uh, entrepreneurial, I suppose, and just all the different pieces that you're involved in. So I wonder if you could um, maybe we'll we'll wrap up for this first segment, maybe with a do you have any anecdotes or stories or sort of just examples that can give our audience a sense of what it? I mean, you already gave us like the walkthrough of like what a schedule might look like on paper. Sure. But when it actually lives and breathes, like what does it really feel like? The way I would describe it is the best sports television in my experience is kind of when it feels like a super elevated version of a conversation you'd have at a sports bar with your friends. <laughs> NFL Live, we do a lot of it remotely, but then we're also on location. We'll, we'll tape our show on set at the Super Bowl or the draft or whatever. And some of the most fun moments are like when a uh, news breaks and everything, this, everything I just described to you, all the work, all the prep, we send in tapes, we've got graphics, we've got it rundown. It all goes down the window. Adam Schefter comes on the screen. I remember actually at the draft in Cleveland. So that was like 2020. It was the year Jordan Love was drafted, I think, for the Packers. Anyway, so Adam Schefter comes on. He's like, Aaron Rodgers wants trade. And we just blew up. Uh, Yeah, it was me, the usual crew, Dan Orlowski, Marcus Spears, Ryan Clark, Laura Rutledge. And we just talked, we just reacted to that for the next 45 minutes. Um, And that's what, you know, I mean, there's, or big stories like, Dan Snyder stepping down as the owner in Washington. There are these moments, there are all this prep goes into it, but there are also moments where you just have to react to things. And I, that's to me also extremely fun. It's another aspect of the job I didn't really describe, which is just being live on television, but then, you know, 
reacting to things as they happen and and trying to forget the fact that you know 600,000 people or whatever are watching which is <laughs> That's great. Um, so, so, so much more to go into. Um, we'll take a break here and then and come back around. Mina, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast. I can't wait to continue this conversation. To our listeners, make sure to check back in next week to hear more from Mina Kimes. And until next time, don't be afraid to use the word career, but always stay crafty. Crafty.